all the words of this law. Uh, and so are there secret things of, of the Lord? There surely are, right? Uh, if, you're, if you're praying for somebody and they don't, they don't receive healing, well, why not? Well, it could be that they're, they have no faith. It could be that they have sin. It could be that they just want to die and go home to be with the Lord. It could be a lot of reasons. Do we know? Well, we don't know. And so we, uh, is the Lord going to tell us? Well, he might tell us, but it's really none of our business, right? Uh, and so, um, you know, that secret things are things that are none of our business. But if he gave us the word of God, everything in the word of God is our business. Amen. If he, if he gave us a doctrine of healing in the word of God, then that's revealed. So that belongs to me. Amen. So uh, everything from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation is revealed. It belongs to us. Amen. Things dealing in, with the, the hearts of other people. The matters of other people uh, tend to be between them and the Lord. Amen. Uh, and so I leave them alone. Uh, I, I don't I don't judge them. I don't understand. You know, I don't I don't uh, you know. Sometimes I'll ask the Lord and if he says it's none of your business, then I'll leave it alone. You know, sometimes he won't say it's none of your business and I'll keep praying and he may show me some things. Uh, but a lot of times in dealing with other people, those things are hidden to us. Amen. Uh, when is the Lord Jesus coming back? Anybody know? Well, that's a hidden thing, right? Because, in fact, the Word of God says no man knows, right? In fact, does, does the Lord Jesus even know? He's the one coming back. Does he know when he's coming back? He has no idea. He told the people he has no idea. So we know that that's a hidden thing of the Lord, right? That's something that the Lord will not reveal. And uh, what if you write a book, 88 Reasons Why the Lord is Coming in 1988? Is that, is that going to work? You know, that was a real book. Anybody buy that book? Anybody have a copy of that book, you know? Uh, well, you know, uh, did he come back in 1988? No, so you know what, you, what the fellow did? He wrote the sequel to that book, 89 Reasons Why the Lord Has Come in 1989, right? And, um, uh, and I guess he uh, probably didn't quite sell as many in 1988 as he, or 1989 as he sold in 1988. Uh, anybody remember that book when that came out? I remember when that came out. I, I didn't get a copy of that book there. But, uh, but, you know, if I came up and said, well, the Lord told me. It's funny the Lord would tell me something that he hasn't even told the Lord Jesus, right? Uh, and uh, if you said the Lord Jesus told you, you'd have to know that'd be a lie because how could he tell you something that he doesn't know? Amen. So, you know, there are things that we don't know, but if it's in the word of God, we know it. Amen. In, in fact, there, there is one doctrine uh, back in the day uh, that um, uh, it was, uh, I think John Wesley was one of the first ones uh, that kind of postulated this idea. He said that it, it seems as though that God is limited uh, by the prayers of men, that God cannot do things for men unless a man prays. Uh, and, and so he made that statement, and, uh, and then E.W. Kenyon picked up that statement in the 50s, and, and he repeated what, uh, uh, what uh, John Wesley said. You know, it seems as though God is limited by the prayers of men, that he cannot do things for men unless, unless men pray. And he added on the end of it, he says, why this is so, we don't know. Now, we, we know because we talked about, you know, that uh, asking shall be given unto you, right? Seeking you'll find, knocking the door shall be open to you. And there's a lot of scriptures and we're not going to go into them about that you can get your prayers answered. Uh, and, uh, but oftentimes the Lord will not move unless a man prays. And so E.W. Kenneth said, well, why this is so, we don't know. Well, then Brother Hagen picked up, Kenneth E. Hagen picked that uh, statement up and said, uh, if it's so, we should know. And see, that's the, that's the attitude I have. If it's so, if the Word of God says it's so, then I want to know why. Why is it so? You know, and that's, that's really the question that we should ask as we study the Word of God. Lord, why is this so? You know, why is it so that, that, that you want us to pray? 
Uh, and then that, uh, out of that question, just the question of that, came books like The, uh, the Authority of the Believer uh, in understanding how we as Christians operate under the authority that the Lord has assigned to the church by the name of Jesus, that we operate that authority in the earth and that he's assigned that responsibility to us, the church. So if we don't take our responsibility, he's not going to do our job for us. And so that's kind of the, 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 uh, the understanding of that. We don't have time to go into all of those details on that. But there's a lot of doctrine like that that, um, uh, that we just don't know. Or we, don't, we don't know because we haven't asked a question. It's in there. You know, and, um, uh, you know, the, even in the church, uh, it, you know, we're not really preaching. This is all pre-sermon term, but we're just going to go with it for now, right? Uh, but even in a church, there's a lot of misunderstanding about grace and forgiveness and, and things. And um, it's really, um, I don't know, it's just uh, I need to put together some, some, some messages on that area because, you know, back about 15 years ago, there was uh, some doctrine coming in the church and, um People who don't believe in it, I don't believe in it, we call it extreme grace. And, and the doctrine is basically just live however you want to. God's going to forgive you. He's already forgiven you. So as a Christian, just do whatever you want to, and God doesn't care. You reckon that sounds right? That doesn't even sound right. I mean, you know, that just, just sounds kind of dumb to me just on the surface, right? But there are ministers, you know, worldwide ministers who will get up and say, you know, God's already forgiven all your, all your sins. And in one sense, he has forgiven all your sins. Is Jesus ever going to go back to the cross again? You know, the purchase price of your sins was his blood. Is he ever going to shed another drop of blood? Never going to shed another drop of blood. So all sins have been paid for. But does that mean you can just live however you want to? No, because every sin is a step outside the will of God, right? And you have to be forgiven for that sin, whether you're a Christian. Uh, if, you're, if you're not a Christian, then you need to receive the work of the Lord Jesus. Otherwise, you're still responsible for the payment of that sin. Uh, and, and to me, that's pretty simple, right? That's not hard to understand. But there's just there's a war that goes on, and then and then to balance that out, some some Christians and preachers will go to the other extreme. That if you commit any sin as a Christian, you're going to die and go to hell. Well, then what's the purpose of forgiveness if 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 you commit a sin, but but you're going to die and go to hell? Well, then 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 you can't be forgiven for that, you know. And you can lose your salvation, right? It's not an absolute, but it's almost absolute. It's pretty close to absolute. It's not absolute, but, um, you know, so maybe one of these days we'll do some teaching that area because uh, the problem with teaching that area is that there's a lot of strong opinions in that area, right? And people just fight you over these things. Even if you go through the Word of God, you know, they'll fight you for it. And, and I'm not willing to f- interested in fighting people about it, but there should be a balance, right? Uh, anybody desire to sin? <laughs> you know, it really wasn't as a rhetorical question. I really wasn't asking, you know, put your hand down, right? Uh, you know, uh, oh yeah, me. You know, and, and so, um, uh, and so, uh, no, as a Christian, you don't desire to sin. If you, <laughs> okay, we need to have an usher back here in this back row. Uh, but uh, as a Christian, you should never desire to sin. Amen. Never desire to sin. If you, if you're always trying to figure out how to sin, you know, I'd have to question whether you ever saved to begin with, right? That's you know, again, that's between you and the Lord Jesus. But uh, anyway, so there's plenty of things that are revealed to us. The Word of God is revealed to us. Even if we read it and we don't understand it, it can be revealed to us. So if we read it, and I can't tell you how many times I'll read a verse and go, Lord, I have no idea what this means. You need to, what does this mean? And, and I'll pray and meditate on this verse, and I'll research the verse and look up, you know, a couple hundred translations of the verse or look up commentaries on the verse to, tr- to get some insight and wisdom into that verse. Because if it's in there, I should know. Amen. And I don't know everything, but, it, but if it's a question, I'm gonna, I want the answer to it. Amen. And so... Praise God. Well, let's stand and greet each other for just a minute. We'll get into praise and worship.
where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And um, that's not talking about sin in your life. That's talking about sin in the world, that there's sin. You know, I mean, every day the world comes up with, with, with more amazingly uh, dumb ways to sin. And our job as a church is to resist that sin. And uh, as that sin increases, and it will. I mean, every day they come up with more creative ways of sin. You think, I didn't even know they could do that. Is that a thing? Is that, you know, how, you know where'd they come up with that? And they come up with it, right? They're creative and, and uh, they're full of the devil. And, and they'll come up with the most amazing things to sin. And it just causes your head to spin. And, you know, it, it would be a little easier to accept if it was just the world. But then the government jumps in and says, yeah, we like that, too. We're going to pass a law that says you have to approve of it. And then the corporate world says, oh, yeah, you have to agree to it, right? And, and you, have to, you have to go to classes to learn how to do it, right? They have classes on how to sin. They don't call it that, but that's what it is, right? Here's how to sin. Here's five ways to sin today. And so it just, we live in a crazy world, don't we, right now, right? And, but, you know, uh, I like uh, what, what Miss uh, Becky said. We were down at Hickson. Uh, she was a minister down at Hickson. And, uh, you know, she said sometimes in this world that we live in, we look around and we get almost despondent. And like, Lord, it's just somewhat, you know, it's just crazy. And she said, the Lord knew exactly what he, what he knew. He knew exactly what he's doing when he put you in this time. In this time of history, he put you in this time of history because he knew that you would obtain the grace to live through it and, and, and to make it uh, through the whole process unscathed. Amen. You know, we don't have to come through the fire smelling like smoke. Amen. We can get out of the fire and go, well, um, wish I had some marshmallows, you know, uh, and not have to have any complaints about it and, and, and just uh, and succeed. Right. Most of the time, the, the church goes through a, a struggle and we're just as battle scarred as the world. Amen. Just as many wounds as the world. That's not how uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did it. You know, they, they stoked up the fire, you know, uh, twice as hot as it was before. Do it some more. Three times as hot. Yeah, that's, come on, you can do better than that. Seven times hotter than it's ever done. And, and then they threw them in. And, and I'm sure the boys were like, that's about right. I think that's good. Throw us in now. And, and the people that threw them in died because it was so hot. And then, and then what they do? They're walking around in the flames. You know, the, the church, we, we get so put on when, when the least little thing goes wrong. Oh, it's so hard, Peter. It's so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. You've, got the, the, you've literally got the power of God, the same power that... Cre- you see the sun out there? Well, you can't see it right now, but you can see the effects. You see that sun right there? The, the, the Spirit of God created that sun by His power. That lives on the inside of you. Amen. So it has to be a greater power that created the sun because a greater power had to create it. And it's just, an, it's just a kind of an average star. It's not even a big star. It's an, kind of an average-sized star. Yeah, yeah. And it's a million times bigger than the earth. That power that created that star lives inside you right now. How bad could it possibly be? Amen. Amen. Right. Uh, and so, I, you know, sometimes I just wonder about the church, you know, just crying and whining. It's so hard. It's so hard. And, and I know real things happen to people, but uh, Paul said he d- delivers me from them all. Amen. And the Old Testament says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of, out of how many? If he's going to deliver you out of it, because he said he would, right? Then why are we complaining? Why is it so hard? You just go, I mean, do we like it? Do we enjoy afflictions? Oh, I love afflictions. Well, you're weird. You know, I mean, you need, they have medicine for that, right? Nobody enjoys the afflictions, right? Nobody's looking, I want to be afflicted. Nobody wants to be afflicted unless you've got other problems we've got to deal with, but nobody's looking to be afflicted, but if there's affliction, the Lord's going to deliver you out of them all. Yes. Yes. Amen. So 
you know, uh, what I say, let's just see how the Lord does this. Let's see how the Lord delivers me out of this. Because it'd be interesting, right? Because you think, well, there's no way. You know, in the natural, you look around, there's no way. And I was like, yeah, there's a way. And so I, you know, in the midst of that, I start looking, Lord, I want to see how you're going to do it. I'm excited to see how you're going to do it. Because I know you're going to do it. So let's see how he does it. And so we focus on him delivering us instead of, instead of us being afflicted. Uh, and it's just, uh, sometimes I wonder about the church, you know. Uh, and I think, you know, the issue really is the leadership in the church not teaching the church that, that the Lord delivers us out of all the afflictions. If he does, which he said he does, then, then he can't lie. Is he, is he like, you know, I'm so tired of afflictions, I'm going to stop delivering you. Did he, is he, has he done that? Is he retired? Is it like, ah, oh, so many afflictions. Wow. I didn't, you know, if I knew there's going to be that many, I would never have said that I was going to deliver you out of them all, right? I'm going to deliver you out of like six, and that's it. You know, that you're, you're at your limit. Uh, that's the way we operate, right? You know, you know uh, like Peter, Lord, uh, how often should I forgive my brother? Seven times? Because yeah, and, and, we're always looking for a, a, a limit, right? You know, my parents, you know, they always said, I've had it up to here, right? And I never knew why, why I was there. You know, why I wasn't here bad. But right out of here. And I said, I've had it up to here. And so, you know, you could take it right up to there and you're good, right? But once they got to there, you've you got to run, right? You've got to duck. <laughs> I've had it up to here. Well, that's the way we do in the church, you know, seven times. That's it. You're dead to me forever. We live like the mafia, right? The church, lived, you know, and, and of course, Jesus said, no, not seven times. He said 70 times seven. And then, you know what people did? Thanks. 490 times. Okay, that's it. You're at 408. One more time. One more time. Now you're off the list, right? He didn't mean... That, that was a law. He wasn't turning 490 into a law because people are like, oh, that's, that's a law, right? You, 491, you're dead to me. But no, it's, uh, but that's what we do, right? We, we have limits, you know. I, I can't take it anymore. You hear people say it like that? I can't take it anymore. What do you mean you can't take it anymore? Does the love of God that's shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, does the love of God have a limit? Is there anything in this world that the love of God, the agape love of God, that for God so loved the world love, that it can't overcome? Why do we put a limit on it? I can't take it anymore. So the love of God is, you know, it's just like average love. You know, it's like, you know, uh, you know it's like when I was in kindergarten love, right? When I, I, I was in love with this girl in kindergarten until she came to school with pigtails. That's it. For whatever reason, you know, pigtails just off the list for me. I don't know what it was about pigtails, but that's it, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, so I, I was madly in love with her as a kindergarten until she wore pigtails. That's it. That's it, you know. And, and then husband and wife, I don't love them anymore. I love that one. I don't love them anymore. Because people, you can't help you love. That's the dumbest thing. Of course, you, you fell in love with them because you, you, you fell in love with them. It's not, it's not like a chemical reaction. You know, they, they always wrap it in these, these things that aren't true. It's a chemical reaction. No, it's a choice. You choose to love them. You choose to unlove them. I just can't love them anymore. That's a lie, you know. Especially the Christian. Who doesn't the love of God live in your hearts? Isn't the agape love doesn't live in your hearts? The agape love of God lives in your hearts. The Bible says it lives in your hearts, right? The same love that loved the whole world. You know, we, we pick and choose who we love. I love everybody. Well, except for that guy over there, you know, that guy over there, you know, those people, those people sitting over there, you know, no way, you know. Uh, I mean, we, we love the whole world too, except for the ones we don't love, right? But Jesus loves the whole world, amen? And then, then, you know, that'll help you dealing with sinners because when you see the worst sinner world, you should go, you know, the Lord loves them. Doesn't mean you've got to approve of them. Doesn't mean you have to agree with them. But God loves them. Amen? The worst sinner of the world. When I see Christians get all bent out of shape because somebody sins, oh, don't, 
You know, God loves them. He's not accepting of their sin. He's not approving of it. He's not okay with their sin. In fact, he's trying to get them out of their sin. But why, why, why do we have to uh, get all bent out of shape? Because they are doing what they're, what they're doing, right? Because they're sinners. What do sinners do? Well, they sin, right? Like, I can't believe they sinned. Well, that's what they do, right? And so, uh, it, it's, uh, uh, you know, in the church, one of the things that you should watch out in your own life is your confession. Be careful about your words because your words are laying the, the groundwork of your future. Uh, you know, if you're all the time saying, I just can't take it anymore, then you're putting a limit on God. You know, in fact, the Old Testament, there's a scripture that says they put a limit on God. The church puts a limit on God all the time. I, I can't take it. It's too hard. It's not. And, and you think the Lord wants you to have a hard life? He doesn't want you to have a hard life. Amen. But there are times and seasons in dealing with other people that there are just things to deal with. The, the situations you have to deal with. And the Lord will he deliver you out of them all? He will. So we need to uh, change our confession. And Oh, it's so hard to, Lord, I can't wait to see how you get me out of this. Yeah. Uh, and, and instead of always whining and complaining, and you know, you ever been around people that just complain all the time? It's exhausting. And you're just like, oh, will they ever <laughs> stop complaining about, you know, just whatever it is. You just, oh, complain, complain, complain. And you have people that work for you or people you work with just complain all the time about, you know, every little thing. It's just, just you know, be quiet. And you, the Lord hears that every day. <laughs> it's amazing, you know, he just like, just zap, just turn them off, you know, just, he doesn't do that, but... But uh, our confession needs to be, Lord, you deliver me out of them all. Uh, Lord, uh, uh, the love of God is shed abroad in my heart according to the Spirit of God that was given to me. Amen? Yeah. I have infinite capacity to deal with people. I say that, uh, just my own confession, I have inf infinite capacity to deal with people. Yeah. People say, I've had it up to here. See, that's not infinite. That's only about, you know, you know I'm about, that's about five feet five, right? If I stand up straight, about five feet, you know, five feet five, Love. That's as much love as I got. Just five foot. Now, my mom, she was short. She's about five foot two of love, right? Had it up to here. Now, and, and so, uh, but the Lord's love is infinite. Infinite. Lord, I have infinite capacity. Uh, and so I'll start confessing, nobody's ever done anything to me. And you know, a lot of people have done things to me. But my confession is, I'm going to live as if nobody's ever done anything to me. That's the way I live. Nobody's ever done anything to me. Never. Uh, and so, you know, because people say, I, you know, I just, uh, 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 just one more thing. You know, here it goes again. Well, you know why? Because they never gave up the one yesterday or the one before that. You know, you should be at most at one, one thing you're dealing with. Because once you forgive them, then you're back at zero. But so many times at church, you know, oh, here it goes again. Well, then you never forgave them the first time. They're doing it again. Well, why would you remember the last one? I thought he puts, you know, see if we can. Now, it doesn't mean that we overlook and we are approving of people's sin we're not doing those things but i'm going to live as if you've never done anything to me and say hey how's it going you know how you doing they look at you like you're crazy right well don't you remember what i did to you oh yeah you're a horrible person but you know i'm not mad at you i'm not gonna you know i can recognize that you're a terrible person because there are lots of terrible people but i have no ill will towards them i have no desire for harm for them amen you know i can look and say well yeah what you did was terrible you're a horrible person that have done something like that it's not that, you know, it, he doesn't, he doesn't re remove the memory of that thing, but there's no unforgiveness in my heart towards him. Yeah. There are people I just, you know, I have no interest in being around until I get to heaven because they're just terrible people. I don't like being around terrible people. I don't like being liar, around liars and thieves and 
especially leadership in the church that, that will steal from people and hurt people. I have no interest in being around people, hypocritical people, prideful people. Of course, you know, by the time you get done with all that, there's not many people left in the world, right? <laughs> uh, but, you know, some people, you, you can tolerate certain things, right? But uh, uh, it's not that we approve of it or we're looking at it. Just, I, I'm not going to, I refuse to hold one ill will against anybody. Yes. Nobody. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes you've got to give, uh, there, there's a, a uh, one of the fruits of the Spirit is long-suffering. Sometimes you have to deal with people over a long period of time that are not, not, it's not good people that, that, that you're dealing with them. They're just, you've got to be, have long-suffering. Uh, and, and so it's not that you're overlooking things, not that you're approving of things, but sometimes long-suffering is necessary to help people. Some people don't ever want help. So there's no need for long-suffering because they'll never get, you know, until they decide to change, they just won't get any help. But some people, they're right at the edge. You know, the children of Israel were two weeks from the promised land for 40 years. That's the bad directions. I don't know how, what GPS they were using, what map they Two, uh, two weeks from the promised land for 40 years, going around in circles. Uh, you ever gotten directions like that? You know, you, uh, you, you get in the south, you know, what, what's the directions? Well, you're going down to the third stump, hang a right, you know, and, and, and Chris was asked me how to get somewhere one time. I was telling her, I said, now you go down until you think you've gone too far and you keep on going. And she thought I was crazy, but it, was, it wasn't exactly right, right? right. You, you, I, yeah, and so that's really dumb instruction, but that's the best. And there's no other way. There's no landmarks, right? But, but uh, whoever, you know, was given the, the nation of Israel instructions on how to get to the promised land, man, there's bad instructions, right? But it was all on them. Uh, but two weeks from the promised land. Remember the rich young ruler? One thing thou lackest. Thou lackest. One thing. He was one thing away from the, from the kingdom of heaven. One thing. He never got it. There's a lot of people who are just one step away from the blessings of the Lord. And if we will have long suffering for them, with them, uh, and on, the, on their behalf, we can get them across the line. Some people will never get there. Some people, the Lord would say, you've got to move on. And some people, you know, I've had to move on from. Uh, but other people I've had long suffering with. Uh, and, and so, and I tell the Lord lots of times, Lord, you're going to have to let me live forever because until this, this person straightens up. I'm going to have to be with them, help them. Uh, and I'll talk to them about stuff like that. You know, I'm just going to outlive them all. Uh, and so let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 5. Uh, so we finished up with the Beatitudes. Uh, you know, there's nine Beatitudes, and all of them start with the word blessed, right? So you're blessed. If you do these things, it's a promise, right? So it's a contract. You've got responsibilities. The Lord has responsibilities. So if you don't do your responsibilities, can you be blessed? No, because the blessing is after the obedience, Amen. And much of the promises of God are, are achieved after the obedience, right? It's not that you're earning them, but that's the contract. If you do this, I'll do that. And so if you don't do this, is he required, obligated, and he, can he even do his part? He can't do his part. He can't bless you unless you're doing these things, right? And, and you can't be, you know, we're not going to go through all again, but, um, um, you know, one of them says, they shall obtain mercy in verse 7. Uh, Blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy. So if you're an unmerciful person, can you expect to receive mercy? Well, sometimes you can, because that's kind of the nature of mercy. But would the Lord be within his rights to withhold mercy if you're an unmerciful person? Because he said the promise is, if you show mercy, you will obtain mercy. So if I'm, not a, if I'm an unmerciful person, kill them all and burn the rest. You know, some people, that, you know, somebody sins in the church, bury them in the backyard. That's your first go-to, right? Shoot them. I mean, maybe you could just talk to them first, right? But sometimes people sit in the church, you know, and say, you know, execute them now. I mean, you know, could we just back it off a little bit? You know, it, everything in the church is not worthy of capital punishment. Yeah. But so many times in the church, you mess up and you just shoot them, you know, and, uh, or, or disown them or, you know, shun them or, you know, uh, just the worst things. And 
Maybe you could just have mercy on them on occasion, right? Uh, my, my response anytime I'm dealing with somebody I know is in sin, my first question to the Lord is, Lord, can I have mercy on them? Now, sometimes the answer is no. But that's my first question. My first question is, Lord, how would you like me to kill them? You want me to shoot them first or in the kneecap? Or you want me to, you know, bury them in the backyard, or electrocute them? You know, what do you want me to do, Lord? You know, I remember John, uh, James and John? Lord, should we call down fire from heaven? And Jesus, that's your first go-to? You know, because the Samaritans got mad because Jesus was passing through and he wouldn't stay with them, you know. And instead of going, Lord Jesus, you know, maybe we could talk to him and maybe send some other people back to him. Maybe that was the first go-to. But no, their first go-to is, Lord, you want us to call fire down from heaven on him? <laughs> you know, it, don't you know Christians like that immediately? Right? First thing is, is firing squad. You know, who wants to sign up for the firing squad? And be like, I want to do it, you know. Do, do I get a gun, you know? And, and I mean, some Christians, they, they love the firing squad, you know. Can I be, unless they're the... The, the, unless they're the object of the firing squad, then they, then it, can't we have mercy? Yeah, but yesterday you were on the firing squad. I know, but you know they're already gone. So you know it's my turn to have mercy. And uh, and so Jesus said, what did he remember? What he said to James and John? He said, you you know not what spirit you're of. Spirit of death. That's the spirit they were of, right? They weren't yielding to his spirit of love and mercy and and long suffering. They're spirit, kill them all, right, and burn the rest. Uh, and so, so the, these are, and, and the vast majority of promises in the word of God are a contract between you and the Lord. If you do this, I will do that. But the first part is on, my, on our side, right? The only if is on our side, if you do this. His side is, I will always do that. But the first part is, if you do this. So the if is always on my side. If I, if I obey and I do these things, I get, the, I get the results. And that's, if you read the word of God as a contract, because it is, if he says it, he said, if I said it, I'll do it. So that's a contract, right? It's an, it, and it's a written contract. And then he signed it and it is blood. You know, I mean, in business, you know, uh, there, for a long time, and if you get to know somebody well enough, a verbal contract is sufficient, right? I mean, if I tell you I'm going to do something, well, it's done, right? I don't have to, I mean, I can sign a contract if you want me to, but just, you know, my word is, is way more valuable than my signature. Uh, and so the Lord gave us his word. It's more valuable than any signature you could ever have. Amen. Uh, and so, and that's, that's the way pretty much the whole word of God works. Contract. I'll do this. I will bless you. Here's my blessings I will give you. Here's what I expect out of you. If you go all the way back to the, to the book of Genesis and read the contract that the Lord made with Abraham, the contract was, was I will bless you. You know, I, you know he said, I'll, I'll bless those that bless you. Curse those that curse you. I'll, I'll make you the father of many nations. You know, the, as the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea will be your, your descendants. And, and the only thing on his part is, if you'll do what I say. That was a contract. Just do what I say. It wasn't, you know, that he, you know, he, of course, later on, he offered up Isaac to the Lord as the Lord instructed him, but that was not part of the contract of the covenant. That was, that was a different deal. The only, con- the only requirement for Abraham uh, with the Lord to receive the contract, the covenant of the Lord is, uh, will you do what I say? And Abraham says like, so you're going to bless me like more than I could ever imagine? Yeah. Okay, where do I sign up? But, you know, he was a 20th generation. And I say this a lot, but I believe 100% it's true, you know, that uh, he wasn't the first one the Lord went to. 20 generations from Adam. You know the Lord was going to other people. Hey, I need a contract with a man on the earth. Will you do it? No, nah, Lord, I'm busy, you know. No, nah, uh, you know, it's, it's really hard, you know. It's just, yeah, you know, I got to do whatever he's saying. I don't want to, I want to do what I say. And Abraham was the first smart person in 20 generations. So I get everything, all these blessings, if I just do what you say. Yeah, okay. I'll take that deal. And of course, you know, we are alive today because of Abraham. Amen. 
And so that's a great contract. And then, so he finished up the Beatitudes there. So I just, I just felt in my heart that it would be good to go through. Uh, we're not going to do a, it's not a verse-by-verse verse study uh, in, in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. So we know when we started this, we talked about how this is the longest dissertation we have of Jesus preaching to the people was this, was this story right here. It starts with the Beatitudes, but it starts in, in, in Matthew chapter 5 and goes all the way to the end of chapter 7. And it's just all Jesus speaking. Uh, and he covers a lot of territory in, in these three chapters, 5, 6, and 7. And so it just felt in my heart to be good because there's a lot of things Jesus covers that are valuable to us. Because if he said it, it's probably kind of important, right? And so he's covering a lot of territory. The other thing that we've got to understand as we go through these things is there are things that he's talking to the people of the nation of Israel as Jews that don't apply to us today because of the name of Jesus, blood of Jesus. You know, things changed, transitioned a little bit. When we get to Matthew chapter 6 and look at the Lord's Prayer, for example, he never says pray in his name because he hadn't died yet. And so, but we know later on he talks about, here's how you pray. After I go, you need to pray in my name, right? Pray in the name of Jesus to the Father. Uh, and in Matthew chapter 6, he didn't do that. He didn't say in my name. Uh, and so there are things that we need to understand as because Jesus in this point of history He's transitioning from the Old Testament to the New Testament. So he started talking about things like love and, and faith and the name of Jesus and, and different things and the Father. You know, there wasn't much revelation about the Father in the Old Testament. It was just God, Jehovah, uh, Elohim. There wasn't much revelation of the Father in the Old Testament. So the Lord's, the Lord Jesus is trying to transition these people because they're supposed to be the carriers. The, the Jewish nation is supposed to be the carriers of the gospel. And much of the early uh, witnesses, much of the early uh, people who did the witnessing in the earth were Jewish people. Not the leadership so much, but the, the Jewish people. Uh, the, all the apostles were Jewish people. And so the Lord's trying to transition them. Here, here's some things that you need to be aware of, like the love of God. Well, of course, they can't really operate in the love of God unless they had the love of God in their hearts. Well, that didn't happen until after the cross. So, but he starts talking about it. So he, he starts helping them get some insight. Here's some things that you need to be aware of. And so some things we're going to put aside after we after we go to the cross, he talks about uh, marriage and divorce here and some of these things, adultery, and, and some of these things we'll cover. Uh, uh, and as we go through there, if there are things, a lot of them are, are exactly what he says, but a lot of them will change and transition. So when those things happen, because we've got to look at the whole counsel of God, we'll, we'll explain that, right? So uh, we're not going to, you know, some people say, well, Jesus and Paul were, were in conflict. So Jesus said A and Paul said B. So, you know, and, and so the, they'll act all like scholars, well, we're going to ignore Paul and go with just with Jesus. Well, you don't ignore Paul and go with Jesus. You look at the whole counsel of God and see, you know, there's never a conflict. Sometimes there's a transition, right? Do we have to murder animals now to get forgiveness? Going to have shed any blood of, of, of bulls and goats to get forgiveness now? No, so some things are, are over, right? We don't do that anymore. So, you know, there are things, why? Because we have a better covenant, amen? So there are things that that uh, we will cover as we go along. But some things are, are still wrong. Is, is adultery still wrong? Is it wrong in the Old Testament? It's wrong in the New Testament, right? It's, still, it's always wrong. So, uh, so Jesus, he covers a lot of different territory, amen? And so I thought it'd be good to just kind of go through and, and uh, look at them just kind of from, a, from the, the different topics that, he, that he's covered here. And so uh, this, the next section that he talks about here in, in uh, Matthew chapter 5, starting verse 13 uh, they call them, so we did the Beatitudes, you know, up to verse 12. Now these are called the similitudes. That's your $64 word for the day, similitudes, right? Uh, and just what are things that you are like? What are things that you as a church are like? And so he said here, let's read uh, uh, in verse 13 here. He said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, 
not savior, savor, right? Which means your test, your, your taste, or your strength. Where, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So the Lord uh, compares the church with salt, uh, with, with light here, a candle, uh, and, uh, and a city. So that's, so that's why it's similar to you. We're like this or similar to these things. And so he starts out with that we are the salt, we are the salt of the earth. And I, and I love that. I love that he started like that. We are the salt of the earth, right? Uh, because uh, if you look at, you know, what's the, why did he call us salt? Well, one, one thing that's helpful to know is, you know, salt nowadays, you go down and you can buy, you know, a 50-pound bag of salt for nothing, right? I mean, just salt is very inexpensive. Uh, they have found ways to, to mine it and manufacture it, which it's very, very inexpensive. But that's not the case at this time of history. When Jesus said this, salt was very expensive. It, it was a, a rare item. It took a lot of work because they didn't have any machines, right? They didn't have electricity. They didn't have mining equipment. Uh, they had to typically get it by uh, putting up pools of, of salt water and allow the sun to evaporate it. Well, that's really slow, right, and, and tedious to get that. So, uh, so salt at this time uh, was a very expensive commodity. In fact, they used it oftentimes for, uh, for trading purposes, almost like a currency. Uh, and so uh, you are the salt of the earth. And, you know, when, when the people of the world started understanding how salt works, so one of the one of the first and most important uses of salt is for food preservation, right? So you could salt meat. Uh, and, and, you know, of course, in the South, you got, uh, you got uh, uh, ham that's salted, right? You get, at Thanksgiving, you get salted ham. Uh, I mean, and just, you, you know, you, you can't hardly eat it, right? I mean, just so much salt, right? I never had salted ham until I came to, to this. I'm sure, I guess, they sell it in New Hampshire, but I don't know, maybe rich people had it up in New Hampshire. But, uh, but um uh, but, but salt is a preservative, right? And so nothing else, but if you put enough salt on it, you stick it out, you know, leave it on the counter for six days, you know, uh, five weeks, it doesn't matter, it's, gonna, it's salted, right? Because the salt protects it from the types of bacteria that would kill uh, and, and cause harm, salt protects it from, from that destruction. So salt is a preservative. And, and, that's, and, and they even tell us that um, if you look at all of civilization, you know, there are certain things that have allowed civilizations to thrive. Uh, and if you look at, like, you know, why, ha why does uh, places like America have such few fewer sickness and disease than, like, a lot of third world countries? Well, a lot of it's because of our water systems, right? Our water is filtered, and I'm not going to get into all the crazy conspiracy theories while they're putting mind-controlling drugs in our water, and whatever, you know. Uh, but, you know, the fact that we have filtered water, and you can turn a tap, and you get clean water, uh, and, and all the septic systems that, that take away all the waste, those things have allowed civilizations to thrive. Well, salt at this time to allow the preservation of meat took a lot of disease out of the world and allowed uh, people to gather together and, and go on trips and, and uh, extended periods of time that they didn't have to have fresh food every single day. They could put preservatives in, in their meat and they could, they could live, right? And so, so salt is preservative. And, and Jesus said, we are the salt of the earth that one of the, the, one of the main responsibilities of the church is to preserve the world, is to keep the world alive long enough to receive the gospel. Amen? And, and if you look at, uh, if you look at the, just the history of, of the people of God, 
you know, you go, go all the way back to Noah's time, right? When, when, uh, when Noah was making the ark. And when Noah was building the ark, it took him 100 years to build the ark. Uh, how, much, how much was it raining at that time? Not raining at all, right? And, and the day, that, that, I don't know if it was the very day or not, but when, when, when Noah finally got done with the ark, uh, what did the Lord do for the righteous people? He took them out of the world, and where did he put them? He put them on the, on the ark, right? So the righteous people were removed from the earth and placed in a safe place, and then the floods came. So while Noah was on the earth, the world was preserved. And the Bible calls Noah the preacher of righteousness. So what do you think he was doing every day besides slinging a hammer? Preaching righteousness, right? Hey, the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. Get right with the Lord. Do it now. I'm like, oh, you crazy old man, you know. Uh, and and uh, how long did he preach? How long did it take him to build the ark? Well, I already told you the answer, right? What's the answer? 100 years, right? Uh, uh, and so how many conferences did he get in 100 years of preaching? Zero. See, that's faithfulness right there. Man, that, that is faithful. Are you willing to preach 100 years and have no results? Zero results. Lord, you must have not called me. You must have not sent me here. You must have, I must have missed you somewhere. I'm going to go back to being, you know, a cowboy or whatever. You know, I don't know what you do. You quit preaching, you know. But um, 100 years, no results. 100 years. You think about that. Uh, you know, they call them preacher of righteousness. I, you know, that, that had been the most, one of the most faithful people that the Bible ever talks about. 100 years, no results. And the world was preserved because uh, uh, of Noah. And you know, uh, Noah... If it was me, I'd be slow walking it every day. One, one nail, okay, I'm done for the day. Why? Because I could extend the mercy of the Lord one more day, right? One more day. Some people are like, let's, let's get her done, boys. The world's ending. Let's get done faster. You know, we'll go hire some subcontractors and stuff. And, and, uh, and I know the Bible says it, uh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I never pray that. People pray that, Lord, come quickly. I don't want the Lord to come quickly. If he comes quickly, there's people I know that won't make it to heaven. Lord, delay as long as you possibly can. Uh, now, there's nothing I can do. He's going to come when he comes, I know. But still, Lord, delay as long as you can. Because this guy over here I've been talking to for 16 years, he's, he's so close, Lord. He's not there yet, but he's so close. If you come today, he might miss it. So, Lord, don't come quickly. Amen. Let me, let me be the salt to preserve him alive long enough that he can choose the right answer, right? He can choose your path. Now, and you, you go through the, you know, uh, when the Lord went to Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember, uh, uh, Abraham started uh, negotiating with the Lord. Lord, don't destroy the city for 50 righteous people. I said, okay. I'll, I'll preserve, if I can find righteous people, 50 righteous people, I will preserve the city. I won't destroy them. And of course, Abraham's like, well, probably not 50 people there. Well, how about 45? How about 40? He goes all the way down to 10, and he, and he quits, right? 10 as far as he, as, as far as he went. And, and did the, the city get destroyed? Sure, you know why? Wasn't 10 people there? Because the Lord said, if I find 10 people there, I won't do it. But he also called uh, Lot, righteous Lot. So there was one righteous person there. And, and, and we don't know, but I suspect the reason why Abraham didn't go all the way down to one, because he wasn't sure if, if Lot would have made it or not. You know, so, because uh, we know, that, you know, the New Testament it calls him righteous Lot, but, but uh, I'm wondering if Abraham was thinking maybe he wouldn't make it. So he didn't go down to one. So he stopped at 10. There wasn't 10 people there. But the Lord said, I was willing to preserve the city for the righteous. Uh, and, and so, and then, you know, and, and even nowadays, right, people argue about, you know, 
tribulation, right? The tribulation. When's the tribulation coming? Well, I don't know when it's coming, but it's coming, right? We know it's coming, uh, and there'll be a tribulation in, in the, for the first three and a half years. Second three and a half years is the great tribulation. So it's coming, right? Seven years of, of terrible things, and people say the church is going to go through it, but that doesn't follow in line with the rest of the Bible. Anytime judgment had to happen, the Lord had to hang on before that happens. I got to pull the righteous out. Right, right, uh, the righteous, why? Because we're the salt of the earth. We preserve, we preserve the world. The world's only alive because we're here. If we're not here, there's no world. Wrath will fall. All the sin get, get taken care of, and, and the people that are involved in that will be removed from the scene, right? They'll spend eternity in, in their destination of choice. Uh, and hopefully they'll go to heaven uh, if they choose the Lord. But if, if this world is removed, then, then it's too bad, right? Uh, then, then the preservation is gone. So just from a walking around sense, you know the Lord's got to remove the church before the wrath of God can fall and, 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 and sin is wrapped up and dealt with and removed from the scene uh, because it follows in line with everything else. And, and, you know, and so uh, people argue that and, and uh, they'll give you all kinds of book, chapter, and verses. And, and you, know, you can't really argue with, with the letter of the law because you can find it both ways if you want to. You've got to look at the whole counsel of God and say, well, well Lord, what have you done in other times? In other times of seasons, when you needed to, to judge the earth, what have you done? I had to remove, I had to remove the righteous. And then, I could, then judgment could fall. Uh, and so, so, you know, we've got to know uh, that, uh, that we're here. We are the preservation of the world. And so, you know, you should walk around with, you know, you're only alive because I'm here. That should be your attitude, right? You know, when I get an airplane, I, you know, I don't say it to anybody in particular, but I think all you all right here should be glad I've arrived. Because if I'm on this airplane, we're going to the other side. If I'm not on here, roll the dice, right? But if I'm on this airplane, we're going to the other side. I preserve the world. That's part of my job, amen? And just real quick, let's turn over to Acts chapter 27. We'll look at uh, uh, just a story here with, uh, with Paul. I don't know if we know the story, but in the context of this. Um, so, of course, Paul by this time was, was arrested on his way to, on his way to uh, Rome to be tried before Caesar. And so he's on a boat with a bunch of other prisoners. There's about 275 people on his boat. So you think about that. You know, this is the turn of the, the you know, first century. A boat big enough to hold 275 people, that's a big boat, right? Uh, and so, you know, there was a lot of people act like they didn't have anything back then. They had some pretty good technology to build a boat big enough to, to hold 275 people. Uh, and so let, let's start here in um, verse uh, 9. It says, now, when much time was spent and they were sailing was now dangerous because the fast was had now already passed, Paul admonished them and said to them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, and not only to the lading of the ship or the cargo of the ship, but also our lives. So, in other words, don't leave, right? Now, how did Paul know this? Well, Paul has the Holy Spirit on the inside of him. The, the, the Jesus said that the Spirit of God will lead us and guide us in all truth and show us things to come. And so the Lord showed Paul, if you leave, uh, there's danger there. Not just to the cargo, but also our lives. And so Paul, you know, Paul's like, you know, I would encourage you not to go, right? And of course, do they, do they know Paul from Adam? They don't know. You know, who is this guy? He's one out of 275 or so prisoners. And we don't know you, right? Don't leave. Why not? Because a spirit told me not to leave. Right, right. You know, so what are they going to do? Well, then the very next verse says, Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Well, that's going to make sense, right? You're telling me this sailor who, who does this for a living telling us we should go now, but this crazy man over here said don't go now. Well, who are you going to listen to? You're going to listen to the guy that, 
you assume knows what he's talking about. Uh, and so he says, and because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the, the more part advised uh, to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to uh, Phenice and there to winter, which is a haven of Crete and lieth toward the south and west and north, northwest. And so they go on down, you know, and um, um, uh, to verse 21, and he says, this is Paul. So now, of course, they, they leave and then storms happen, right? Uh, and they get down to verse 21, but it says, but after a long abstinence, right, uh, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, sirs, you should have hearkened unto me. I love that. Somebody don't ever say, uh, you know, I told you so. This is Paul saying, I told you so, right? I love it, you know. Uh, I told you, I told you, you should have listened to me. Uh, and because, you know, it's important to remind him, hey, I told you by the Spirit of God not to leave. Uh, and so you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Now they're in the midst of a storm, right? They're, they, they've given up all hope, right? It, it says in, earlier that, that uh, for many days they didn't see the sun or the stars. That's a pretty big storm, right? You ever spin a storm so bad you couldn't even see? There's no daylight, right? No sun, no stars for days on a ship. You start to get a little nervous about that. Uh, and so, Paul said, you should have listened to me. Uh, he said, be of good cheer. The church should be of good cheer. We have the answer. He will deliver us, right? But, but how many people on this are probably going, oh, you think we're going to make it? We're probably not going to make it, you know? Uh, and I didn't even get a chance to eat my last donut, you know? It's just like I missed so much of my life, you know? Uh, what's Paul doing? You know, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. In the middle of a storm, be of good cheer. We could preach. Someone should preach on that sometime, right? Uh, Be of good cheer. Uh, For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. So now earlier he said, you know, that the Spirit of God showed me that if you continue, uh, there's going to be loss of not only the ship, but also our lives. So something's changed between A and B, right? What's changed? Well, Paul has been on his face in prayer, right? He's been in prayer because the purpose of prayer is to change your faith is there to change circumstances, amen? Uh, and so, because sometimes, see, the Lord sometimes will show you things of what's going to happen, and he shows it to you not because it can't be changed, but because it needs to be changed. And so, uh, who can change it? Well, you can change it. Lord, uh, then I'm asking you to, you show me this is going to happen, I'm going to ask you for it not to happen. Isn't that what Abraham tried to do, right? The Lord said, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham, and the Lord said, I'll do it. I'll do it because you asked me to. Uh, and, of course, he couldn't get down far enough with, with a number of righteous people, but the Lord was willing to change. He, my, my divine destiny was to destroy the city, but it, it, since you asked me to, I won't. How many times did the Lord go to, go to Moses and said, I'll destroy all of them and build a, a, a nation greater from you? And Moses said, no, I, I don't want you to do that. And Moses said, because you asked me to, I won't do it then. See, there's so many things the Lord will show us that, this, that left unchecked, left unchanged, this is what's going to happen. But we have a lot more power in the church than we, than we appreciate or we realize. You know, you ask the Lord. I always ask the Lord, if something bad's going to, I always ask the Lord, Lord, uh, can this be changed? Now, if he tells me, if he doesn't say anything, then I'm going to assume it can be changed. Sometimes he'll, he'll say it can't be changed when there's, there's nothing I can do about it. But he, did, did the Lord, when the Lord so, showed that there's going to be hurt and much damage of the lading of the ship and also of our lives in verse 10, did, it, did the Lord tell Paul, this cannot be changed. No, he didn't tell him that. He said, this is, this is what the, the plan, not my plan, but this is, 
this is the destiny of this event left unchanged. This is what's going to happen. But see, Paul's a man of prayer, night and day, right? And so now he says, there shall not be a loss of any man's life among you, but of this ship. So Paul's changed it. So can you change things? You can. What I encourage you to do is you always try to change it. If it's bad, you try to change it. It's worth the effort. Sometimes it can't be done, but it's worth the effort. It's worth the time to spend in prayer to, to my faith. Lord, I'm asking you to change it. Not, Lord, if it's your will, you already know what the plan, what's going to happen unchanged. So, you, Lord, if it's your will, Lord, his will is never to have damage and destruction in people's lives. If you know he's a good God, then you know what his will is for there to be blessing and peace. That's his will. These other things are, are happening because of sin, because of sin in the world. And, and so he said, the ship is going to be destroyed. Verse 23, for there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying. Now, in verse 10, there was no angel saying. He just knew by the Spirit of God, by the unction of the Holy Spirit. In verse uh, 23, uh, 24, an angel appeared to him and spoke. So can we guarantee an angel is going to speak? No. Uh, but, uh, but we do know in this case, because of Paul's prayers, that an angel appeared to him and spoke, saying, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. So, uh, so what is Paul's role? Paul's role is the preservation of these people in this ship. Because the Lord said uh, to Paul, you must be brought before Caesar. The only one on this ship that's got divine destiny that I approve of is you. And everybody else gets to live because of you. All the other people, they're not following me. They're not, they're not pursuing my will for their life. You are, and you need to go to Caesar. Because you're going to Caesar, all these other people are preserved. They weren't preserved because of their faith, their good works, because of their righteousness. They were preserved because Paul was on the ship with them. And he said, you must go to Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with you. You know, some, some, we, 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 we sell ourselves so short in the church sometimes that we're nobody and not important and, you know, we're not that valuable. You're the only reason why so many people are alive and you don't even realize it. Because you live and breathe and, and worship the Lord God in heaven. There are people alive today, right now, because you are here. And you may not even appreciate it. You may not even know it. Uh, and, so, uh, and so that's why I said, uh, Paul said, be of good cheer, right? And he says, again, he repeats himself in verse 25. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. And so the rest of the story, it happened just like Paul said. The ship was destroyed. In fact, the, the centurions were going to kill, the, the Roman soldiers were going to kill all, the, all of the prisoners because they're thinking, well, the ship's going to be wrecked. They're all going to swim to the island and get away free. And Paul said, no, no. By this time, now the centurion, the one in charge, we should listen to this guy. Let's listen to him. Because, you know, uh, and, and of course it happened. Just, so Paul not only saved these prisoners from death of the storm and the sinking of the ship, but also from the death by execution from the Roman soldiers who were concerned that they, were, they would escape. Uh, and, and so it, it, he saved them in many different ways, right? And so, so we, are the, we are the salt of the, of the earth, Amen. The earth right now is completely preserved because we are here. When the Lord takes the church out of, out of the earth, and he will. Someday he said he's going to remove the church, right? And we call it the rapture. That's not a biblical word, but we call it the rapture when the, when the church 
is removed from the earth, and it will be removed because uh, th- th- there's an aspect of sin that, uh, uh, and I don't know that we really, because uh, I don't understand all of it, but there's an aspect of sin that when, when sin occurs, it has to be dealt with. It, it cannot be overlooked. It cannot be f- just forgotten. It has to be dealt with. And the, the best way to deal with it is by the blood of Jesus. But if the blood of Jesus is not applied to sin, like the world right there, right? That guy right there, I'm not pointing anybody in particular, but, you know, let's point to, let's go get the guy, bring him in here. No, it's just, but there's some guy walking down, that guy just drove by in that car, you know, maybe they're not a Christian. So there's sin in his life that he's never accepted Lord Jesus about. And that sin has to be dealt with. And since he's not received Lord Jesus, it will have to be judged. That's, you know, now if they are smart, they would let the Lord Jesus and his blood deal with it. But if not, it's got to be dealt with. And so if people choose not to accept Jesus, it still has to be dealt with. And the only way it can be dealt with then is to remove the preservation of the church out of the earth so that it can be dealt with. And, it's, and, it's, and it's not, it, it won't be pretty. Right? Sin has, the Lord does not want sin to remain in the same universe that, that he's in. And he's provided a way out for the whole world, his blood. This is the easiest way out. All you could do is say yes. Just say, it, it's all dealt, just say yes, it's dealt with. But if not, it's still got to be dealt with. Amen? The, the judgment of that sin still has to fall. If you're smart, you allow the blood of Jesus to deal with it. But if, if you're not smart, which much of the world is, is dumb as a brick, they think that they can get by on their own good works. And, and they're wrong. So it'll be dealt with. Amen? If we're smart, we'll let the Lord's uh, blood deal with it, and we'll go on, right? Uh, so between now and then, um, the world is preserved. Amen? And so what, what I just want to encourage you today about that is just know that. Just know that, Lord, I'm here to keep the world alive long enough to receive the gospel of the Lord Jesus. That, that all these people that don't even love you, don't even know you, they're alive right now because I'm here. I'm here so that they can live long enough to, to get another shot, every day another shot to hear your gospel, hear your good news, and to receive you as your Savior, as their Savior, so they get to have all their sins washed away under the blood of Jesus and get to go to heaven and be with us for all eternity. That's why we're here, right? Uh, and so, so there's some other things to talk about salt there, but, but that's, uh, I, I believe that's the most important aspect of salt, that we are here to keep the world li- alive long enough. So, so don't ever say, Lord, come quickly. Don't ever, you know, it just, it, just, it just hurts my heart when people say, Lord, come quickly and kill all these people. The Lord's not going to kill them because if their sin's killing them, but uh, I, I wish no harm on them. Uh, the only reason why we're here is to get them into heaven. Amen. If, they, if everybody today said, you know, we're all going to heaven. That'd be it. It'd be over. The Lord just shut her down. We, we'd get a new heaven, new earth. We'd, we'd go into eternity. Life would be good. Amen. Uh, but that's not the case. Everybody hasn't received the Lord Jesus yet. So there's still a shot. Amen. Are they breathing air? Then there's a chance. Uh, amen. And that's the way I see it. Are you breathing air? Then there's, there's still a chance for you. Right? There's still a chance for me. Uh, and so, so we'll, we'll pick this up uh, next week. And, and uh, there's just some really good things here. Uh, you know, we, uh, we'll talk some more a little bit about salt. And, um, you know, salt's always had a, 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 has a bad reputation in, in the natural world, right? Oh, don't eat salt, you know, it's a killer. Uh, and, um, uh, but that's the people of the world, right? Because too much salt will cause high blood pressure, right? And, and that's, the world gets high blood pressure because the church exists. We're causing the world to have high blood pressure, right? And that's fine, right? I love that part of it, you know. And it's like, yeah, it's to go out in the world, yeah, I'm going to cause you high blood pressure because I'm around. Uh, and so, um, uh, and so that's why they're always trying to get rid of it. But uh, you know, I always thought it was odd when, when people say, 
things like salt is bad for you, bread's bad for you. Jesus said good things about those things, right? Uh, and so I love bread and I love salt, you know. I'm not a big salt eater, you know, but I, I do like salt and things. So we'll, we'll talk some other. So Jesus said this for a reason, right? There's some things that we need to know about salt that's helpful. But one of the most important things I believe for the church is that all those people right there, that guy right there in that car, he's alive right now because I'm here. Amen? And he doesn't even know it. Uh, and so, and that's okay. Someday he may find out. Amen? Let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you for the ministry that you've given to us as a church, that we are here to keep the world alive, alive long enough to hear your gospel, to hear your good news, to hear that all their sins right now have been paid for by the blood of Jesus. And if they'll only accept you, Father, and receive you, they uh, can receive the forgiveness and washing away of all of our sins. So, Father, we thank you. And we ask you to help us in the ministry as being the salt of the, wor- of the world, right? to remind ourselves that we're here to, to keep the world alive long enough to receive your good news. And so, Father, we'll go forth today in reminding ourselves that that's why we're here. And so we thank you for that, Father. And just real quick, quick with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, you know, if you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus, if you've never accepted him as your Savior and moved over to become the salt of the, of the world, if you've never accepted him uh, in that, if you'd like to receive the Lord Jesus, uh, like to get born again uh, and be a child of God, uh, you've never done that. If you'd like to pray, uh, like us to pray with you, pray for you. If you raise your hand, we'll be glad to do that, to receive the Lord Jesus, amen, to receive him as your Lord and Savior and establish your eternity in heaven. Thank you, Father. Anybody want to receive the Lord Jesus? Well, praise God. Well, Father, we just thank you for today uh, and each and every day that you give to us. And Lord, we thank you that uh, we have the opportunity to give into your kingdom. And Father, we just thank you that by faith that you've been good to us. You've blessed us, Father, and given us uh, jobs and finances, Father. And so it's such a small thing for us to give back to you. So, Father, we choose to do that as an act of our faith. You said that you love a cheerful giver, and we're so glad, Father, that we have the option and the ability to give to you. And so, Father, as we give to you today, we thank you that your word is so, that you said, but my God shall supply all of my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So, Father, I thank you that all my need is met. There's nothing that I have need of that I don't have access to through your grace and by the faith that you've given to us. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Let's get ready to receive uh, this uh, morning's tithes and offerings. So don't forget, uh, today we have uh, uh, healing school at 3 o'clock. And um, um, let's see what's today. Today is the 28th, right? So in two days, uh, Miss Rosemary has a birthday, right? So happy almost birthday, Miss Rosemary. So, <laughs> so come ahead, Mr. Jerry, to receive the offering. And, of course, Wade's birthday, uh, our grandson Wade's birthday was August the 9th. Uh, Chris and I had a uh, 33rd anniversary on August the 5th, and I guess Monty Debbie, you're at 35, right? So, so you were just two years ahead of you, but we're going to try and catch up. Uh, and so, and then Friday, uh, September the 2nd, we've got our, our prayer meeting, and the next Sunday we'll have um, our church meal, and uh, Miss Marilyn Neubauer will be with us then. Amen? Uh, and so, all right, praise God. Is the Lord good? Are you the salt of the earth? Amen. Uh, uh, we'll go out and, and just be real salty with people, right? So that's probably not the best way to say that, right? <laughs> but that's all right. Praise God. Well, you're dismissed. <laughs>